Welcome. It's Dr. James Beckett here with Pete Williams. We're going to talk about his favorite player. Not my favorite player, but he has a special place in my heart. But uh, thanks, sponsors, Tops Panini and Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Hugging the Scott Auctions, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, Comsey.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. Pete, welcome to the show. We're going to look at Dale Murphy. Who doesn't love Dale Murphy? Men of my generation, Gen X, those of us who grew up in the 70s or in 80s, and a lot of people introduced to Murph because of uh, cable TV and WTBS, which is about the only thing you could watch in this pre-ESPN era. Now, my parents would never buy cable TV. To this day, my dad has never purchased cable TV unless he's gotten it for free at a place he's lived in. Now, my connection to Dale Murphy, however, was I lived in Richmond, Virginia in 1977 when Murph came through as a catcher for the AAA Richmond Braves. And so I have a ball, a faded autograph. Uh, Too bad this was before cell phones and nobody took a camera to games. I would love to have a picture of seven-year-old me with Dale Murphy, but I don't. But thankfully, as a, a sports writer, and I've, I've gotten to know Murph a bit over the years, had got to introduce him at a banquet 10 years ago, and to have what I think is was one of the better Dale Murphy collections. It's really nice when your childhood hero grows up to be every bit as wonderful a person as you hope they would be. And, and with Dale Murphy, that's certainly the case. I love it when uh, your, your sports hero, it really does have aspects of being a hero, not just a, a great batsman. So just to get into the sports card insights, he's not a a Hall of Fame, we believe, I think he should be, a couple of MVPs in a row is almost enough for me just with that, the best player in the league two years in a row. But now the sabermetricians and the more analytical types are evaluating him through a lens of modern analytics, which make him not look as good. And yet, I think if somebody would have said, hey, Dale, we need you to you need to get on base more. You need, you need to walk more. You need to, whatever it would be, that, that you're on base plus slugging. And Because he was a slugger, I think he would have done what he needed to do if that would have been how he was being evaluated at the time. He was great. So do you have right. that same sense that he's being held to an unfair standard? Yes, absolutely. Look, wins above replacement. He's not a god in that category by any means. Some of his stuff he did do is and devalued. For instance, he was one of the first 30-30 members. That's what yep. nobody thinks of. Not today, stolen bases, nobody cares. He had five gold gloves, and now, but people say, if we really applied modern defensive metrics, was he really that good, or was he just getting the gold glove because he was so good at everything else and did make some good defensive plays? So there's that as well that hurts him. Yeah, I, 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 one stat, Jim, nobody ever mentions. I believe this to be true. I don't know if anybody's ever researched this. I do not know if there's a Hall of Famer in all of Cooperstown a position player who can say that he never played in his entire career a single game with another Hall of Fame position player. Dale Murphy, you think of those bad Braves teams he played with. And yes, there were some pitchers, Gaylord Perry, Phil Negro, that he played with. But Dale Murphy did not play a single game with another Hall of Fame player in his lineup. Or even people you think, and he didn't play with Pete Rose, nothing like that. You look at the people that Dale Murphy played with. The best players he had protecting him ever were the likes of Bob Horner and Claudel Washington. So any other comparable to Dale Murphy that you throw out there, I would ask how many Hall of Famers did they have in their lineup? For Dale Murphy, the answer is zero. And I don't think I'd be willing to guess we need to put some stat people on that, that there's not a single Hall of Fame position player who can say they never played a single game with another Hall of Fame player. I did not know that. I wonder if Rich Klein knew that. But it, one of the reasons I love baseball so much is their individual statistics that would seemingly be you got a batter and you got a pitcher and we're going to see what's going to happen. And so you have a batting average, you have slugging percentage, you have all these different stats that start with all pitchers have to be on the mound and all batters are in the batter's box and you can see whether one batter is better than another. But for baseball purists, especially back in the day, the, and, and that's why old time baseball people, they, they had feel. It wasn't just the stats and they could have some sense that this guy's getting pitched around a lot. 
he's never getting anything great to hit because he's the main threat in the lineup. Yeah, so you have to evaluate the statistics in that respect. And although Bob Horner did have at least one great year, Claudel Washington had a 17 year career and just you know, actually just passed away this year. But if you say that now, that adds even more fuel to the fire that Dale Murphy should be in. So I'm just wondering who's voting against him? How does the guy have enemies? Yeah, you think of anything, he'd get the benefit of the doubt by being a very uh, media-friendly guy. The way I think, for instance, there were some people for some reason who weren't voting for Gary Carter. Gary Carter was a very media-friendly guy. Yeah. I want to know. I want to know who the twelve guys who didn't vote for Tony Gwynn were, because there has never been a more media-accessible, quotable, wonderful man for a sports writer to deal with than the late great Tony Gwynn. So I want to know what twelve guys didn't vote for him. And so, if, if you're going to give a guy a slight benefit of the doubt, I would think it would be for that. To say nothing of, you know, Murph's one of the few guys to win both the Gehrig Award and the Clemente Award, a citizenship angle, everything else. Uh, so I, I think again, it's at this point that he's moved on to whatever we're calling not the Veterans Committee. I know there's four different versions of that now, and he he makes his way through that. And the most recent time uh, last year, he didn't come close. So you, you really thought after the Harold Baines thing, you're like, oh, okay, maybe Murph has a shot, but that didn't help either. And I don't know. I, I guess we're, we're just not going to see it, but I'm, I'm holding out hope. I think there's a bunch of people that collect him as a player, more so perhaps than certain Hall of Famers. So he has a following, but are, are you saying he might be too nice a guy? Is I don't think so. Possible? No, I, I, don't, I don't think that's it at all. And I think there was a point uh, where I thought when he was still on the regular ballot, I'm like, eh, maybe he needs to campaign for this. I, I hate guys who do that or feel they need to. And, and I don't think Murph was ever that guy. I think in his last year on the regular ballot, his daughter, he has a bunch of sons and one daughter, but his daughter, who I think is the youngest, who was born right as his career ended, wrote some really, not, not just impassionate stuff, but some strong arguments, some things I hadn't considered. And so that, that was out there as well. And yeah, maybe if he had campaigned a little harder. I think what also hurt him, Jim, he came onto the ballot in 1999 with Nolan Ryan, George Brett, Robin Yount, and Carlton Fisk. So he didn't get that initial surge of 40 to 50% of the ballot. That that hurt him, and he never was able to build upon that the way a lot of other guys of comparable note were. Are you a voter? Do you, are you a baseball writer, Association of America, or you're not? I'm not. I was, uh, you have to be uh, working for a daily newspaper as a baseball writer for 10 consecutive years. And I was working for a weekly baseball publication right, right. for seven and a half. So I, I was never qualified. That's too bad because I think, uh, again, some of the rules are a little archaic and, and people just do what they want to do. But I, I think most fans regard him as a equivalent of a Hall of Famer, at least collectors. Like I said, he's collected as much or more. His connection with me and my company and, and my uh, magazine is that he was on the front cover of the very first magazine. And it, right. it wasn't my favorite modern player necessarily, but I thought he was worthy. I had a choice and I had Roberto Clemente on there, who is my, was my favorite player, but who passed away at that point. And then Dale Murphy, who was probably uh, close to the peak of his uh, popularity in 84 there. Was he uh, MVPs in 82 and 83 or 81 and 82? Or? 8283. Yeah, 8283. So again, that's and nobody at that time said, "Hey, why are you messing up the cover by putting Dale Murphy on there with Roberto Clemente?" As the magazine evolved, it became one guy, which I think was the right choice. But those first few issues had a, a newer player and, a, and an older player to try to have something for everybody because it's always been a hobby of nostalgia as well as what's going on in the field right now. But the Sports Card Insights is that players that have great careers on the field but then mess up later in life, which Dale Murphy has done the opposite. He's been exemplary. You'd think he'd have even greater following. 
Just from a strictly collectible standpoint and card standpoint, he's one of those odd players who had two rookie cards, right? The 77 and 78 tops, the the four-player card. Obviously, the 77 is the real card. He was there, of course, as we expanded into three card companies in 1981 and then further towards the end of his career. He has, of course, the connection to error cards as he was the reverse negative in the 1989 Upper Deck uh, series as well. So he's really connected in two generations of card collecting almost, if you look at it that way. And then, uh, of course, he had a flurry of cards uh, as he, 92 and 93, were his last year. Years as, as the market really exploded with all the different series and sets. So you probably have as many Dale Murphy Phillies and Rockies cards, ironically, as you do Braves cards, which is another strange connection as well. So he's definitely out there. He had so many cool Nike posters. Remember those classic Nike right. posters he had? And it was funny. I saw him at spring training a few years ago and he was wearing Adidas. And I said, Murph, how can you possibly, all those classic Nike posters, you're wearing Adidas. He goes, Nike doesn't send me any anymore. And, and Costco has really great deals on Adidas. And like, I can't argue with that. But yeah, I've got a couple of those Nike posters myself. I always have the classic one, the, the Thunder Alley, where he's uh, holding up the glowing yellow bats and, and just classic 1980s collectibles. And, and, and Murph, you know, as he should be, was one of the biggest collectible players of the 1980s. I think still is. But does he have any, do you sense that he has animosity? Is is it an off-limits topic for him to talk about his uh, Hall of Fame chances? Or has he moved on? Or is he just at peace with the fact that he was a great player and, and leave it at that? Oh, no, he's always willing to talk about it. He's always very humble about it. He's, you know, doesn't know quite what to make of it. I think he understands the arguments on both sides. It was interesting. We have something here in Tampa Bay at Tropicana Field, the Ted Williams Hitters Hall of Fame and Museum. It used to be in Citrus County where Ted Williams lived. And after his passing, they moved it to Tropicana Field. And so they still have inductions every year. There's a committee that puts it in. And in 2007, they inducted Dale Murphy and Fred McGriff into this. And I said, those are probably the two best players who deservingly should be in the Hall of Fame, but for similar circumstances are never going to get in. And sadly, that's thus far proven to be the case. Both of them with a certain kind of scrutiny. Again, you can make the case for, and like I said, I'm a stats guy, but I'm not a pure stats guy to the exclusion of everything else. I like it when they take into account, like I said, these gold gloves. So that could be, again, I understand both sides of the argument that maybe he caught all the fly balls that he got to, but he didn't get to enough of them or something. I, I think my sense is that players conform to the era that they're playing in, that what the manager's asking them to do. And uh, if the manager asks you to hit behind the runner or to uh, play shallow or play deep, if you're a a good soldier, if you're a team player, you do what the manager tells you to do. Uh, It's not like he was on a bunch of great Braves teams. They, they, They were not great. No, they won the division in 82, and that's about as good as Murph ever did. Unfortunately, the year after the Braves traded him to the Phillies, what happens? The Braves go from worst to first while he's in right. Philadelphia. The, the year the Phillies send him off to Colorado trying to get that 400th home run, the Phillies win the division in 93. And then if you want to take that a step further, Murph retires with the Rockies in 93, and in 95, they make the playoffs. And he just didn't have very good luck in that regard. But even playing with all those Phillies and, and Rockies at the end, he still did not ever appear in a lineup with another Hall of Famer. Why did he move from catcher? No, he developed the yips, much like Steve Blass or, or Chuck Knobloch or Steve Sachs. He was throwing the ball. He, they used to joke he was hitting the center fielder on the fly, showing great arm strength, but he was trying to get the ball to second base. And so Bobby Cox then moved him to first base where it was even worse. He, he couldn't you know, throw the ball around there, as is often happens with those kind of players. Rick Ankeel, you wonder how this is going to affect his career, but they moved him to center field. Problem solved. Suddenly, his strong arm was very accurate as, as an outfield arm. You know, this is another sport inside. It's more golf related, but golf is the sport where you hear about the yips. But basically, the yips comes from some tensing up with a less than uh, powerful motion that you have to finesse, touch, and 
strike it, but not too hard. And and like I said, I think that is the antidote for the yips is to to throw full strength. If you're in center field and you're throwing it to home plate, there's no yipping. You're just concentrating on and throwing the power all the way there. Where if you're if it like a Steve Sachs at some of the second baseman guys that had that problem, if there's a finesse aspect to it, or you've got to do it just right it's tougher. So yeah. So positional change, which got him, I think in the hall of fame and I don't have a vote either, Pete. So uh, if I did have a vote, I love longevity, but I want players that were considered the best. I'm looking at not how many championships they won. I'm looking at what the other players thought in, uh, in their time. Were they all stars? Were they the feared batter in the lineup? Were they trusted fielders? Did the other uh, players uh, respect them? And I'd look at the fans. Was he a fan favorite? Of course he was. If somebody's around for 20 years of pretty good stats, I'd rather have 15 years of good stats, and I'd be okay with 10 years of outstanding stats. And I think he had, he had 10 excellent years. Sure, certainly the decade of the 80s, if you yeah. want to just put it. Yeah. 81 through 89 was just phenomenal. He was, with Mike Schmidt, probably the one or two best players of the 1980s. And then the stats prove that out as well. And along with the lines of what you just said, Jim, if Murph ever makes it to Cooperstown, I think you will see one of the largest Cooperstown celebration turnouts of not only just Braves fans, but people my age who grew up with this guy as their guy. And, and certainly we have the time and resources now to travel to Cooperstown. The outpouring would be tremendous. And I, I still hope at some point we see it. Well, that wouldn't be the reason they do it, but it, it would be a wonderful bonus. I think you're exactly right. I think there'd be a huge turnout and people would applaud the Hall of Fame. I hope it happens. And I hope it happens while he's alive. I think Dick Allen's going to get in. It's going to be after he's passed away and Dale uh, Murphy, absolutely deserving. So thanks, Pete. Thanks for uh, giving us your reminiscences about Dale Murphy. Don't get confused by the two rookie cards. The 77 is the real one. The 78 is still a great card too. So thanks, Pete. Thanks everybody. Be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house.